You are listening to The 945 Show on WFNULP 94.1 FM and podcasted everywhere. Local music from the Twin Cities. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to WFNULP 94.1 FM in St. Paul. We are Frogtown Community Radio. You are listening to the 945 Show. I am your host, Mike Resendez. We have a great show planned for you today. My guest this morning is singer, songwriter, James Roan. James, good morning. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Good. Awesome. We're going to talk about your new album that came out in January, Quiet as Fists. It's available right now on Bandcamp.com if mm-hmm. people want to uh, head over and check that out. We're going to play four songs from that album. Sounds so, like a good deal. And uh, we'll get people uh, excited about the rest of the album, mm-hmm. um, and we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, a lot of things. You're going to do a lot of things. I was looking at your website. <laughs> do you sleep? Uh, I do. I do. Okay. I just, when I'm not sleeping, I'm not sitting. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We uh, we have a lot in common in that way. Mm-hmm. So you were uh, born and raised in Bristol, England, and Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, that's right. Both at the same time. And and now you're here <laughs> yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah. In in Minneapolis, uh, and that uh, you made that move in your twenties, correct? That's right. Yeah, right at the beginning of my twenties. Yeah. Okay. And so let's talk about that. For how do you go from Bristol, England, to Springfield, Missouri, to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah, it's a weird story. My parents met because my mom was a foreign exchange student to Springfield, Missouri. Uh, She was from Bristol, England, and uh, they tried something special that year. Always they had brought kids from (laughs) England to, like, cool places in the United States, Los Angeles, New York City. And then they're like, why don't we see what it's like if we send one to the Ozarks? (laughs) So my mom ended up living uh, with a family that went to a Mormon church in Springfield, Missouri, and she met my dad, who was kind of a black sheep of that community. Um, and I guess she was into the bad boy type. And uh, so they started a relationship that went back and forth across the ocean over uh, a number of years. So that's kind of how that connection was made. So I was born in Bristol. I lived there until I was about 10. Then came to Springfield, Missouri. Crazy culture shock. Sure. Um, but, you know, I learned a lot of useful lessons through that. Uh, and then I got into theater and acting when I was in high school. I uh, went to one of these awful uh, cattle call auditions when I was in college that uh, they actually called them cattle call auditions without oh, any per- reservations perfect. at all. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and producers from, it's usually like touring musical theater or children's theater companies come mm-hmm. to those and they look for folks who can make up their upcoming season. So I ended up going to work for a touring educational theater company in uh, Invergrove Heights. Okay. Uh, and so that's how come I moved to Minneapolis. But as soon as I came to Minneapolis, I thought this kind of feels like home because Minneapolis and Bristol have a lot in common, I feel like culturally and just in terms of this, the comparable size of the city. And so uh, that's how I ended up in Minneapolis. And I just, I stayed after my contract was up because I liked it so much. Nice. Well, yeah. welcome to Minnesota. So you've been here long enough. 
So like the the gatekeeper snooty types around here can say you're one of us. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I, I consider as soon as you move in, you're one of us. So, oh, that's great. Uh, but there are uh, you know there's some people out there that have that uh, that threshold of how many years you have to be here before you can say that. Yeah. But how many driveways but, you've shoveled? Right. Yeah. How many dead cars you've revived? Right. <laughs> yeah. I guess living in Missouri, the uh, probably the the weather probably wasn't too much of a shock. Is it so a lot different, or is it? Well, the you mean between Missouri and in, Minnesota? In Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, we, we have rough winters in Missouri. People don't count on that, but it's a lot of ice. And one thing that makes the winters, I think, rougher in some ways in Missouri is that they've never really figured out how to handle it. Right. I think that in Minnesota, one of the things that's amazing, it's like, you know, the day after Mardi Gras in New Orleans, you'd never know that Mardi Gras happened because they're so good at cleaning up after it. Right. The same thing is true about snow in Minneapolis, I think. So in Missouri, it's just not like that. So. Yeah. Get, uh, see, I think ice ice would be a lot worse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Than everything else. Oh, yeah. Did you hear so, that? I'm definitely one of yeah. them. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about uh, your music. Um, how long have you been playing music? How long have you been writing music? Uh, what instruments? I mean, let's let's yeah. get the full 411 on your music. Sure. Side. I mean, I've been writing songs for as long as I've been playing an instrument. So I... Uh, I picked up the guitar when I was about 14 years old okay. uh, because there was a local pizza cafe where there were these three guys. In my mind, they were old guys. They were probably all three younger than me now. <laughs> <laughs> but they they just played covers. They were called Nick Rule and Ned the Band, uh, you know, and they would play anything. And so we would go there. Uh, my improv group at that time, because I was, I was doing improv at that age, would go and uh, throw in requests. And I'd always throw in Beatles requests because my mom was into Beatles and Motown, lots of other stuff besides, but that's the stuff that stuck with me. Sure. And they could play it all. And I found out that the guitarist in that band was uh, the soon-to-be ex-husband of my social studies teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so I would, I would go into school and I'd be like, Miss um, uh, Sibley, can you please have Nick write down the chords to Here Comes the Sun or whatever. And she'd be like, sure. And then this is to her credit. Even after that marriage dissolved, she would still get the chords to Beatles songs for me. And uh, Teachers so are awesome, right? They are. They are. I mean, I say that as a teacher. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, uh, that was my genesis, I guess. Nice. Yeah. That's really cool. Oh, and uh, yeah, so started when I was fourteen, kept on going. Yeah, <laughs> no, no stopping, no slowing. And do you uh, do you play other instruments besides the guitar? I do, uh, but only really so I can demo stuff. Okay. I I play so I can write. So I love to play guitar. I and that's become sort of an elemental thing for me, something that I get to reconnect to. But I really play so I can write songs. Writing songs is my favorite thing. Right. Uh, is. Do you, is everything that you've recorded so far your own music? Mm-hmm. Yes. And what is your process like when it's time to sit down and write music? How long does it take you? And mm-hmm. uh, w- where do you find the most inspiration? Mm. Where do you draw from when you start writing? Well, I can't just say it depends, can I? Uh, but that is, <laughs> that is the answer. Right. I, I feel like um, nine times out of ten, the music comes before the words uh, for me. But... Sometimes the story comes before the music. So um, there's a suite of songs that I have finished and I'm looking forward to recording that follow a particular story. Um, and so if I know where I am in the story, then sometimes I'll, I'll write a song inspired by what needs to happen in the story at that, at that time. Okay. 
Um, but sometimes it's uh, it's something a lot more spontaneous than that. I I was listening to a lot of Frank Ocean recently, and I love the way that he free associates even within a song. So um, he'll be singing about something from his childhood, which makes him think about something from his present. So he'll sing about that for a moment, and then he'll bounce all over. But because you can tell that the connection is personal to him, you never lose touch with the fabric of that song, the emotional right. content of it. So I've been playing around with that. Um, but when I was writing the songs for Quiet as Fists, I was going through a very specific time in my life. Um, and even though there are a handful of songs that come from before that time began, um, they all reflect that moment pretty in a pretty concentrated way. Right. And so um, listening to those songs now brings me right back to that moment, rehearsing those songs so that I could play them for the album release show at the end of January was a trip because every day I was sort of inviting that moment in a very ritualistic way back into my life. Right. Um, There's a nostalgic feel to those yeah, yeah. songs that you said. I was listening to them mm -hmm. uh, leading up to today. Um, but it, it sounds like you're singing about memories, mm -hmm. you know, you know, from your past, obviously memories from your past, but you kind of, you did kind of put you in certain spots in your life, you know, yeah. even not meeting you till this morning, mm -hmm. you could, I could kind of picture, you know, certain things, mm -hmm. um, listening to, to those songs. So that was, yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah. It is cool. I, one of the things I had some reservations about was, uh, performing and even releasing some of these songs. They are deeply personal. Um, and people who are close to me know what they're about sure, and who they're about because those people are part of my community. And I really had to wrestle with the ethics of that. I think that possibly when an artist that has a large or even a medium following <laughs> that spans outside of where they live, they can, they can be sheltered by the anonymity of their fame or relative fame. Right. For an artist like me, where I'm really just building my audience as a solo artist, even though I've been making music for a really long time. It's the first time I've done it under my own name. I know exactly who's in the audience. And so I wondered, is this okay to do? Am I telling my own story? Am I telling somebody else's story as well? I ended up remembering how useful songs were to me when I was going through the time in my life that this set of songs reflects. Um, being able to listen to songs like Be Not So Fearful by Bill Fay or Bonnie Raitt's music, right. <laughs> which people don't talk enough about. But she is a highly credible and super, super sensitive songwriter. Um, I clung to those those songs because they guided me through moments that I really needed. Um, I didn't need the moments, but I needed the songs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, if there's any chance that somebody else could find that in my music, either now or because of the way that streaming works, who knows when in the future, then it's worth it to me. Right. Now, when you perform those songs and mm -hmm. certain people are in the audience yeah. that you know, you know may or may not react to certain mm -hmm. parts or the song itself, does that kind of hold you back? Do you get more reserved on stage when you perform, or mm -hmm. do you just throw caution to the wind and just That's perform a great question. it. It's a great question. I feel like it depends upon, I think, a lot of other factors. It depends upon sort of where I am in that day. It depends upon where I am physically. Like I do a monthly show at the AC Hotel 
in their lobby. And I'm typically playing to out-of-towners or people who are seeking refuge from the 90s across the street. Sure. And um, they have no investment in my music at all. That is not why they are there. Right. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes in those environments, it's easier for me to let loose. But when there are folks in the audience that I know well, when I played the album release, it was packed with my community from improv. Uh, it was packed with friends from years and years. Um, and I'm grateful to say there were some people there as well who had recently become aware of my music that I didn't know. Right. That combination of people performing for them, it was a heady brew. But, um, but I was able to, by about halfway through the set, settle into the songs and, uh, and try to inhabit them. So right. It's a challenge, though. It's got to be a point where you just kind of find yourself lost in the performance. Yeah. yeah. And there are some songs, and this is kind of how I know which songs are going to come forward with me. There are some songs that allow me to do that more than others, you know? Right. All right. The time is now 9.58. You're listening to 94.1 FM WFNULP, St. Paul. We are Frogtown Community Radio. You are listening to the 945 show. James Roan is my guest this morning. And uh, if you miss any part of this uh, interview, it will be available via podcast uh, later on today or tomorrow, depending on how fast we can... Uh, get this back out to you. Um, and James, you and I were talking the magic of podcasting mm-hmm. before we got on the air. So you found this show based on PodMN, which is the new podcasting app mm-hmm. platform that is available um, to anybody in the world, but it only has podcasts from Minnesota on there, mm-hmm. either still being produced or ones that had been produced that aren't being produced anymore. Um, the RSS feed lives on forever, so <laughs> they're able to grab that. So you found uh, this podcast through that, but I, I want to know, um, we were talking a little bit about how important local mm-hmm. um, anything is, local music, local mm-hmm. podcasting, local business, local, I mean, name it. And I try, I personally try to champion everything mm-hmm. local. Um, being an a independent musician here in the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. How important is it for you to make sure that you support other local indie artists and and vice versa? Mm -hmm. It's important and it's challenging. So it's important because, and you and I talked about this before, I think that, I used the term concentrated before, I'm going to use it again. I think that particularly with communities like Minneapolis-St. Paul, because of our weather, We, there are times when we've really benefited from being flyover territory. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about the sound of Minneapolis funk or the sound of Minneapolis punk, both of those genres were concentrated, I think, because we were left to our own devices. Right. And that's been true in hip-hop movements here and also in other parts of the country as well. It was true, obviously, in the genesis of jazz and folk and other kinds of really important music. So investing in your local music is incredibly important because it helps whatever it is that's essential about your community to be expressed in a way that is distinct to itself. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a new flavor that people may not be aware of or a new uh, version of that. It's challenging (laughs) because, um, A, there are not enough uh, outlets like yours. So thanks, Mike. It's also challenging because as a local musician, I am sometimes subject to jealousy. (laughs) When I see that there are talented local folks who are able to crack some code in terms of attracting an audience that I haven't yet been able to crack. There have been times in in my life as a musician where I've gotten kind of 
frustrated about that and concentrated my attentions to national or international acts because I'm like, oh, I'm too hurt by the fact that this person's <laughs> doing so well. Um, I like to think that as I've gotten older, I've, I've outgrown that. I think I've mostly outgrown that. <laughs> right. I think that's just human nature. Though. Yeah. I mean, you want to see other people do well, but yeah. when you're also trying to do the same thing, you're like, wow. Yeah. Okay, what did they tap into that I've missed? Yeah, yeah. So. And of course, that's not the answer, or that's not the question at all. They right. haven't tapped into something that you've missed. Right. That's not why those things happen. No, not at all. <laughs> all right, so let's listen to some music. Um, your album, Quiet as Fist, is available on Bandcamp.com, mm-hmm. which if you go to uh, your frequent visitor of that website, uh, it's Bandcamp.com. And uh, is it searchable under your name or Quiet as Fists or both? Yeah, you can find it under both. It's also on all other streaming platforms, but I always talk about Bandcamp first just because I appreciate the fact that when folks spend money on music, it goes to the artist if you use that website. Yeah, and uh, I've pushed that website quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the artists I interview use Bandcamp, so Mm -hmm. most of the money that is spent on Bandcamp goes towards you. Yeah, nearly all of artists. Yeah, Yeah. so, and plus you get all of the purchasers... um, you know, like email address. So if you want to send a, like a quick mm, thank if I you, want to spam people. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> want to sell their? Imp- no, I'm just kidding. They don't do that. They do not do that. Don't don't worry about that. Um, but we're gonna listen to two songs first. The first two. Uh, the first one is Pearl, mm-hmm. and then the other one is my my father built a boat. Um, there's a description on your website um, about your music. Um, and I wanted to bring it up because I agree with this 100% that it says that despite the occasional, uh, occasionally somber tone, the music is buoyed with bright melodies and moments of humor and hopefulness. 100% agree. Mm, thanks, Mike. So, because even like, even though the melody might change a little bit and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. this is more of a serious mm-hmm. song, I was still listening with a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was pretty cool. I think uh, the listeners will, will get that as well. So, all right, so let's listen to Pearl and uh, My Father Built a Boat. These are available on Quiet as Fists, the James Roan album available right now on Bandcamp.com. You are listening to Frogtown Community Radio. Let's uh, start that from the beginning. (laughs) All right, you're listening to Frogtown Community Radio. Telling you Pearl means the world If it's pity, I don't want to know After all of the crying shame And confidence gains I'm glad that you came I sleep through the night Appetite has returned And we've earned such a meal But the money I do not Back when I'm back in the black, I don't want to speak too soon, so I'd better stop there. You should have seen the other fella though Girl, I'm such a fool I 
act like nothing bothers me when I'm with you. Pearl, you say you'd rather I told the truth. I guess I'm doomed. On top of the world with you, Pearl. For a moment or two, then it's back to the rumors and double speak. My widow's peak is a bubble and squeak. I'll give it my all. Shopping malls, they will quiver with fear at the sight of my swagger. I'll swing my arms. I'll set off alarms at the height of my charm, but. Give me a moment to lean like a millionaire. I should have saved a little money. Oh, I'm such a fool. I act like nothing bothers me when I'm with you. Pearl, you say you'd rather I told the truth. I guess I'm doomed. Pearl, I'm such a fool. Like nothing bothers me when I'm with you. Pearl, you say you'd rather I told the truth. I guess I'm doomed. Hello, listeners of the 945 Show. This is your host, Mike Resendez. I'm happy to announce that the 945 Show has its first sponsor, CB Sciences and Plus CBD Oil. In the coming days and weeks, you'll hear all about my awesome experience with Plus CBD Oil. Started taking it just over a week ago, and the results have been amazing. You can visit my website, 945show.wixsite.com slash 945show and click the banner on the homepage for more information. Or you can just find a link at the Mike Rez Radio Facebook page. Follow that and that'll take you to where you want to go. Please stay tuned as you will find out more about my experiences. Consult the doctor before starting a CBD oil regimen. Results may vary. CB Sciences and Plus CBD Oil is a sponsor of the 945 show and not an underwriter of WFNULP. Like a wheel right 
All right, that was My Father Built a Boat on WFNULP, Frogtown Community Radio. This is the 945 show. Uh, Before that, we heard Pearl. Those two songs are available on James Roan's new album, Quiet as Fists. James is in studio with me. Hi, James. Hi, Mike. All right, if you want uh, to get your... Uh, group or you have some some dates coming up as a musician you want me to get out to the masses you can just email me at mikeresradio at gmail.com there are a couple of shows coming up that i want to let you know from local artists carson blue will be at the underground in minneapolis on may 17th and nitro wave tc presents will be at can can wonderland on march 27th uh, in that show you will hear Puddin' and steph uh, the debut of Arcturus V. Uh, Bad and Rad will be performing, and coming in playing with Nitro Wave TC will also be Lucy in Disguise. So if you're into uh, some synthwave music, you can catch that at Can Can Wonderland uh, as well. Uh, like I said, if you have any uh, e- uh, dates coming up at venues or uh, other things uh, you want to get out to the masses, let me know, MikeResRadio at gmail.com. All right, James, let's talk about your music. Uh, those two songs, um, like I said before, they get that upbeat feel to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about each song. Um, My Father Built a Boat, I'm kind of curious uh, about that one yeah. uh, more. Um, what What's the story behind that, and, and uh, is it as explainable as the as the the title yeah it's one of the few songs that i've written that really is okay <laughs> <laughs> my dad is a cabinet maker and a craftsman and uh, that's how he made his living for his whole life uh in england and in the united states uh towards the last part of his career he worked in an architecture shop uh at a u- at a university in springfield missouri helping kids to avoid chopping off their fingers with table saws sure <laughs> but he's an incredible artisan um a really gifted and talented person um, who, who was always working on commission his whole life. He was always at the beck and call of, no, I shouldn't put it that way. He was always responding to somebody else's request, okay. what they wanted for their home or for their, I mean, he made the cabinets for Andy Williams of Moon River fame. Um, when he moved to Branson and nice. built his theater, he had this big mansion. And he was like, Stan, I want you to build the cabinets. It wasn't all high rollers like that. Right. <laughs> uh, but with that said, it, you know, it does take a certain sort of income level to commission somebody to build cabinets. And so he was always responding to a rich person's sense of taste or lack thereof. And uh, so after he retired, which was only recently, he started making things recreationally. So building things for the home that he shares with my mom, but also he's built now a couple of boats. And um, I love the idea that he gets to ask himself now when he wakes up in the morning, what do I want to make today? Instead of who am I making something for? Right. That's cool. That's yeah. to have that, that freedom after all that many years. <laughs> yeah. And he deserves it. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's talk about Pearl. What's uh, What was behind uh, that song? So that song was written immediately after a big change in my personal life that I hadn't expected. Um, And I was feeling pretty hopeless in the aftermath of it. Um, But Pearl is about a moment of hope, a moment when it seemed like things might go differently. It's sort of about um, hedging your bets as well. So when you're accustomed to heartache or sadness, when something breaks that 
storm can you break a storm let's say you can yeah we'll say yeah yeah when uh, let's just say like when there's a, a ray of light uh, coming through the clouds you don't trust it um and you're sure that it's going to end right away so you play your you play your cards very close to the chest and so i feel like that's what th- that song is about as well yeah that's awesome and we're, we're going to listen to two more songs uh, off that album um, and uh, let's mention your website. We haven't even mentioned your website yet. I know. So, How could we not mention the wonderful world of www.jamesroan.com? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if people go there, they can find out more about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got some pictures and stuff up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got a link to the Bandcamp site. Uh, yeah. But you also have links to... Uh, for people to listen to yeah. a couple of your tunes. Mm-hmm. So um, how how big is this album, Quiet as Fist? How many songs are, are on it? Uh, 12 songs, I think. 12 songs. Yeah. You got a full full length yeah. album on there. Yeah, full length by my standards. I like things pretty short. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's longer than an EP, so That's which right. is, uh, uh, I like those as well, because mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of like you're in and you're out, mm-hmm. but you get a good snapshot of what that that group or, or musician is all about yeah so, yeah which is uh which is a lot of fun uh um some of the things that uh, i found uh digging into you as a person and, and getting things together for today um like we said you are in a lot of things um one of the things that i found that i want to ask about was robinson caruso <laughs> okay so and uh you know, there's rumors about an R&B band in the background and a horn section. Mm-hmm. Explain what that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned. Uh, so I, I was in. I was in this group called the Seagraves for a while. I love that band. We made some sort of like angular power pop with very difficult to penetrate lyrics. I was very frightened as a songwriter that anybody might guess what I was talking about. I'm also um, Michael Stipe. Might as well be my other dad. So. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I, that, after the dissolution of that band, I was talking to the bass player for that band, who's still a good friend, and he knew that I loved soul music, and I'd written, I think, a demo for a soul song that I sent to my sister, and I was hoping she would sing it. She's a great, great singer. And, um, and he was like, you know, you should think about writing more songs like that. He was like, people will come. And he knew how frustrated I had been in the last band about how difficult it was to attract an audience. And so he was like, if you do that, people will come. And I was like, I don't know. Um, and so I, but I did, I wrote like 20 songs like that. I was a mm-hmm. huge, uh, soul and R&B fan. I still am. I, uh, I DJed a soul and R&B radio show when I was in college. It was devoted to 60s, 70s and 80s, uh, soul and R&B. And so I would just pick a different artist, um, to focus on and I would write a little homage to them and then I'd record it. And then uh, after a while, I put together a giant band to play those songs, and uh, we, we played out, and people did come. That is, to date, <laughs> the, the most popular project I've been part of. <laughs> and uh, we had a ball. It was really fun, but organizing an 11-person band is a, like almost a full-time job, and so right. eventually that faded into the background. Also, I always have questions about whose music is this, and is this for me to, to profit from, even if the profits are small? So, right, that's a longer discussion. <laughs> right, yeah, that's that's something totally different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how how did you find eleven people? To be <laughs> that part? was hard. <laughs> I mean, that was back in the days when you could put an ad in the city pages. That's how I found the bass player Gary Miller, who's just an like a virtuoso. 
And uh, he connected me to a drummer and a guitarist who were also excited about that kind of music. I pulled a horn section um, by reaching out to a trumpet player from the improv community who knew two people from like high school. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Backing singers uh, from my life in nonprofit uh, touring theater education right um i mean like just i drew from my entire life to find that band right. it was not easy <laughs> what uh, what type of venues did you play oh at that time we were playing the final line the fine line a lot we played honey a bunch john over at, at honey is a great guy and uh and he would have us in monthly um we would play uh we played the, i want to say we played we play Caboose at some point. The most memorable gig was we opened for the Vikings. <laughs> so the guy from the Caboose booked us uh, to go and play an outdoor gig before a Vikings game. And so we played for like a thousand people. Nice. It was crazy. <laughs> In these like ill-fitting thrift store suits, you know, but it was a blast. Yeah. Were the, was the crowd into it? Um, yeah, some of them. And then right. some of them, I'm sure, were just like, you know, waiting for the game to start. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you had the crowd, and now you can tell you people, go. look at how many people we played. Yeah, in why don't of, I so. put that in my bio? Right, yeah. 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 Get on it. <laughs> After the show, you'll have to change that. Yeah. Um, tell me more about uh, School for Girls. Yeah, so School for Girls is my band. Um, it features uh, Josh Kaplan, who some folks might know from Adam Levy's band, uh, they also might know him from Van Stee, who are fantastic. Uh, Justin Hartke from Sleep Study. Um, uh, we got Justin Nellis also from Van Stee. Um, and Shanez Yarkacha, who is an incredible singer and uh, a jazz singer in her own right. Um, and I, I know all of those folks uh, through connections in the improv community. And uh, we're all sort of like similarly inspired by the most commercial moments in the Fleetwood Mac catalog. <laughs> right. That's, that's where I'm at yeah, in the Fleetwood yeah. Mac catalog. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, and uh, it's just, yeah, I think of it as being sort of ebullient uh, uh, pop songs with, with big melodies and giant harmonies. It's, it's a lot of fun. I love those guys. Yeah, awesome. Um, and uh, you're doing house shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I've just started. Started doing that. Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit, uh, we were talking off air, um, tell me a little bit of how you got into that and mm-hmm. how do people book you for house shows and how do house shows work? Maybe people don't really know what a house yeah. show is. A house show is uh, is what it sounds like. It takes place in somebody's home. So if there's a musician that they like, uh, they can reach out to that musician, like for example, me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they can uh, they can ask me to play a house show. And and. Uh, they invite their friends and neighbors and whoever they'd like to be there on that evening. Sometimes it's for a birthday. The one I just played was for a birthday. Sometimes it's there's no particular event. You just want to have something happen in your house that you know you'll be able to look back on and feel good about. And um, and it's lovely because uh, when I do house shows, I invite a couple of friends, the Dino Birds, uh, which is uh, Mandy Verstegen and Anna Weggle, to come and sing harmonies with me. And to have that, like an acoustic guitar and three-part harmony in a small space like that is really a, a magical thing. I got into it because my friend Adam Levy, name drop there, uh, from the Honey <laughs> Ding. Dogs. Ding. Yeah. Uh, he produced the School for Girls record, and he and I have become friends since then. And uh, he came back from uh, a solo tour kind of around the country playing a lot of house shows, and he was like, man, this is where it's at. These are the most fun shows I've played. Uh, so... I was determined. I was like, okay, I want to make that happen too. So after I put out the record, I made it known that I wanted to play more of that kind of a show. And uh, 
and I hope to do more of them in the future. Right. So, so far they've been indoors, I mm-hmm. imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, would you do outdoors? Oh, yeah. I mean, at this stage, I'll play on your roof. Right. I don't mind. <laughs> that would be kind of cool, too. It yeah, got roof that show. beetle feel. Definitely. It, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. Cops come and shut it down. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you just record the whole thing and turn it into a video. It'd oh, be man. pretty sweet. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'd be up for that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so let's, uh, let's talk about your uh, improv. We've talked about that um, mm-hmm. in your theater life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're teaching. You're teaching right now too. So is yeah. that all? Is it all theater that you're teaching? And you founded a theater here in the Twin Cities. Is that I true? did. Yeah, I started the Harbor Theater Group back. Oh gosh, a long time ago now. It's no longer a, a going concern, but it was a really important part of my life. So for five years, I ran a free theater program for Twin Cities teenagers, and I met some incredible young performers that way who are now doing amazing things in the Twin Cities and beyond. Um, and. Uh, I was at that time preparing to teach fifth grade, so I was getting my uh, my teaching license. Mm-hmm. Taught fifth grade for four years, and now I work for a place called Project Success, which is a youth development nonprofit. And so in the evenings, I get to develop curriculum for and, and teach classes in cooking and coding and, um, and yes, performing arts as well, podcasting. Uh, so all sorts a of lot things. of things. You're... A lot of different things, yeah. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I pl- caters to my diverse interests, right. and and I get to serve a lot of students. Um, but I my improv life has stretched back until since I was fourteen years old. But locally, for the last like decade or so, um, I perform in a couple of groups weekly. One called the Mess, which performs every Saturday at nine thirty at the amazing huge theater, and the other of which is Show X, which is Monday nights at the same theater. Whenever I can get there for Show X, but every Saturday for the Mess. Yeah. Okay. How has uh, doing your improv work helped with you and your singing life? In every possible way. I mean, improv is an amazing art form uh, that allows you to believe in your own voice and what it is that you bring to the stage in any given moment. And so uh, during those moments when I feel petrified, when I'm not sure that I have any right to be up there, I remind myself that each of us uh, can surprise an audience because into laughter or into sadness or into some other kind of emotion just because we are we are there expressing who we are distinctly uh differently from anybody else we all have a right to be heard right now when when i think of improv um i think a lot about the comedy side of things yeah but there are other i mean like you just you can pretty much you know dig into any emotion yeah uh, on the spot is is there one that's easier or harder for you or, or would do you enjoy one over the other that's a great question i mean right now i do singularly comedy improv and have for a long time um within comedy improv though there are there's what we call groundedness and then there's less groundedness so there's absurdity right right and so my favorite is grounded absurdity i like it when <laughs> things are are ridiculous but they're important to the people in the scene right so um and you know you can point to a lot of touchstones for that but i grew up with fry and lori uh which is stephen fry and hugh lori who most people know as house now right but those two were a two-person sketch team in england when i was a kid and grounded absurdity is what they do. They come up with the stupidest premises and then they invest in them wholeheartedly. <laughs> right. And that's what we do in the mess for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it makes a difference if, if the person that you're watching you feel is like really engaged in, yeah. in what they're doing. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's going to make it for, for a better show and make for a better experience overall. I think that too. Yeah. Um, 
Did you watch uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Were you a fan of that one? Definitely. Were you a fan of the original or the one with Drew Carey? Oh, respect, respect. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah, me and my sister used to watch Whose Line Is It Anyway, uh, the original English version. That's the one, the first one I saw. That yeah. was the one that hooked me on. Yeah, we used to watch that back when it was the Comedy Channel and not Comedy Central. I don't know why we had cable, but we had cable. <laughs> and so we would watch that and we would just dream about being on that. Yeah. I, for those who don't know, obviously Whose Line Is It Anyway is a famous short form or scenic improv show. But uh, the previous iteration of that, the original version, Man, there were some really heavy hitters on that show in English comedy and American comedy. I think Ryan Stiles was on the original. Yep, as he well. was there, and yeah. so was uh, uh, Colin Mockery. Colin Mockery was, was as well. There as yeah. well too. Yeah. yeah, it was actually when they brought it, uh, when they redid it here with uh, Drew Carey for a while. Yeah, um, to see those two back on, it was pretty sweet. But they mm-hmm. also brought in some of the original cast members from that show to the American. You know, I didn't see very much of the American version. By that point, I didn't have access to TV. (laughs) So I only really heard about it. Right. Um, But, yeah, that's great to hear. I'm glad about that. Yeah, it was actually made it uh, the first couple seasons fun to watch Mm -hmm. because when you saw somebody that you knew was on the original, you Mm -hmm. thought, oh, this will be a good episode because they've all worked together. Mm -hmm. So they all kind of know each other's cues and what to expect. How important is that uh, or uh, like for somebody – to come in brand new to improv, uh, how long does it take for you to get to know their style of improv and hmm. and uh, like know when you can jump into a scene or jump should jump out of a scene and let them kind of take over uh, their side of the improv? So, are you asking like uh, when they're when when they're brand new to improv, how can you play with a with a right, newcomer? Yeah, is that what I'm asking? yeah, okay, yeah, that's a great question. I. I don't think that there's very much time. I, I, I've been doing improv for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And so at this stage, I, I watch a new improviser and I try to figure out how I can support them. And um, that doesn't mean condescending to them in the scene. Right. That means helping them to recognize the opportunity they've already created for something funny or delightful to happen. And uh, so helping to build the architecture for that, maybe even narrow the tunnel sometimes so that they can walk in that direction. Right. But, you know, improv is about recognition more than it is about creation. People think it's about spontaneity. It's really just about noticing where you are. Right. Building off of things like building blocks. You know, somebody puts Mm -hmm. a block down, you just build on top of that. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Um, Let's talk about uh, music again. what venues have you played here in in the Twin Cities, and what what venues have you not played that you would really like to play? Oh, what a great question! I love that. Uh, so I've played. You heard me say I played Honey a lot. I love playing Honey because John is such a good guy, and because that venue is such a fun place to hang out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Warming House is another favorite that I have. Um, I got to play my album release at the Astor Cafe, which was a ball. I really loved that. Um, I've I got to open for. Uh, Adam, when he Adam Levy, when he was doing his solo album, School for Girls, got to open at the Cedar Cultural Center. That's my favorite venue in town. Um, and so, uh, and when I say in town, I'm talking about Minneapolis. I, I have to admit that I know St. Paul less. Sorry, St. Paul. <laughs> I would love to know you better. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I, I'd love to play the Cedar more. Um, so I'm always working with those folks to find opening slots and things like that because it's just such a it feels like a community space to me, and that's important. Right. Yeah, yeah and the Fillmore just opened. Yeah. So maybe we can get you. Yeah. If anyone's listening from the Fillmore and needs somebody to maybe open for somebody yeah. or just want to 
bring some people in, some old Mike, we can just in. say if anyone's listening who wants me to play. <laughs> well, okay, there you go. We can say that. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'd like to be selective. Maybe that'll happen in years, but right, right. now I just want to play. <laughs> you know, maybe if we like kind of make it sound like, you know, you got to, you got to act now. Yes. So, yeah, yes. time is limited. Is busy. <laughs> yeah. The Lizzo thing's about to happen right? to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The time is now at 1030 a.m. on Wednesday morning. You are listening to the 945 show on WFNU, Frogtown Community Radio. Uh, my name is Mike Resendez. I am your host, and James Roan is with me this morning. We are talking about uh, everything so far. Yeah. Um, and uh, more importantly, we're listening to music off his album Quiet as Fists. Um, and we played Pearl and My Father Built a Boat earlier. If you missed that, you can catch that on the podcast later. Um, and we're going to listen to two more songs here in just a, a couple more minutes. Um, I should also mention, if you're listening to WFNU and want more information on the radio station, you can go to WFNU.org and find out more about who we are and also find out about uh, the nonprofit that is actually running the radio station, Frogtown Tuned In. That's there as well. And we stream 24-7 on the internet. Uh, you can find our player there. Also, James, I don't know if you knew, but you probably did. We have a app that's mm-hmm. available as well for people to download. The WFNU app, it's available in your uh, Apple App Store and your Google Play Store. So we are available everywhere. Just like your music is available streaming mm-hmm. worldwide, you can catch WFNU anywhere in the world. We've actually... I know for sure we've been heard coast to coast on that app because I've listened to the radio station in Portland, Oregon, and Portland, Maine. So <laughs> you took care of it. That's right. Yeah. So just so I could say that we've been heard coast to coast, <laughs> I'm dedicated to the radio station. Yeah. What can you say? Uh, are there any uh, performers or, or acts that you would like to play with or open for, either mm-hmm. locally or nationally? Um, I'm a big fan of Charlotte Cornfield. Do you know her? I do not. She is, uh, she's terrific. She uh, she put out an EP just, or she's got an EP that's about to come out, uh, and she put out an album last year. She just writes very, uh, it's an interesting thing. It's like uh, guitar pop haiku. Uh, she manages to figure out how to strip things down to just what's necessary. But she has a really conversational way of writing lyrics. I'd love to meet her and play with her. I think she's great. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Be awesome to uh, to meet. I guess some of your favorite musicians that you just yeah. like. That style is pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so awesome. All right, well, let's get into a couple more of your songs here. Um, the two other songs we're going to listen to here right now, uh, "Under the Same Ceiling" and "Yearling." Um, like I said, those are available on Quiet as Fists and. Um, you can catch that at bandcamp.com or jamesroan.com. That's R-O-N-E.com. Mm-hmm. So if people want to check that out. Um, so let's listen to Under the Same Ceiling on the 945 show on WFNULP Frogtown Community Radio. Under the 
That was Yearling by James Roan from his album Quiet as Fists. And before that, we heard Under the Same Ceiling, uh, which is also available on the same album. You're listening to the 945 show on uh, Frogtown Community Radio. Wanted to let you know about My Sister's Mission, which is a free store located in the lower level of Faith Lutheran Church at 499 Charles Avenue here in St. Paul. It's actually the same building that the radio station is located in. Uh, If you need some free clothing for men, women, and children, coats, hats, gloves, socks, pants, shirts, hoodies, work clothes, and a lot more in most sizes. There's free toiletries as well, personal hygiene products, backpacks, and snacks. They are open Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday from noon to 4. And if you want more information, you can call 651-359-0185. They are located just as you come in the door here at the church, James. I don't know if you've noticed uh, some of their stuff. And then to the left, they have a, a bigger space uh, with a lot more stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a really cool store. Anybody that needs anything for free can come during those hours and check us out or mm-hmm. check them out. We're not uh, involved with them other than just making sure people know about that mm-hmm. they exist. Mm-hmm. That's great. 
So, all right, let's talk about uh, these two songs, Under the Same Ceiling and Yearling. Let's start with Yearling because you just told me about uh, a video you shot yeah. for a, a Tiny Desk competition. Uh, yeah. Explain to everybody what uh, Tiny Desk concerts are. Um, sure. Some people may or may not know. Yeah, so if you spend as much time on YouTube as I as I am sorry to say that I do, <laughs> uh, then you're probably familiar with the Tiny Desk Concert Series. Essentially, it's just uh, Bob Boylan from NPR and his incredible team of bookers find acts, both large and small, to play behind a tiny desk in the NPR studios. Um, it's usually acoustic, though it's not always, and it's, and it's always exceptionally produced. It's a great way to find new artists. They hold a competition every year wherein they invite artists from all over the country to submit their own tiny desk concert. And then if they like it, if it does well in the competition, then they invite that person to come and perform in D.C. So that song, Yearling, is about a family of beavers, uh, but it's also a way for me to write about um, immigration when families have to move home for reasons that they don't choose. Um and uh, and also write a little bit about my immigration experience, too. And so I reached out to the Bell Museum, and thankfully, Adrian Wiseman there was uh, generous enough to say, why don't you come and uh, film your Tiny Desk concert in front of the Beaver Diorama there? And so that's what we did last night. Me and a couple of friends, Anna and Brandt, went and uh, filmed a live performance in the Bell Museum. <laughs> nice. It was super fun. Yeah. That's cool. Um what so what's what was involved in your in your video? Was it an acoustic set? Uh, or yeah. did you okay. Yeah, yeah. I just brought this this uh nylon string guitar that I love because it was made in Brazil, so I like to tell myself that like Jim Bernardes one at one point played it, you know. <laughs> um and uh yeah. So it's actually the guitar that you can hear in the recording. Uh, which, by the way, was produced, mixed, and engineered by my brother-in-law, Jesse Roan Johnson, who's this incredible virtuoso everything player and producer, currently living in New York but based in San Diego. Nice. Shout out to Jesse. Nice. <laughs> uh, how, how was the, uh, the Bell Museum? Did you have it to yourself when you recorded yes. it? Yes. So. Yes, they had just closed, and so we had the whole Bell Museum to ourselves. We didn't get to like run around it and explore because we had an hour to get everything done, but right. it was pretty cool <laughs> to be there. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Uh, is there a way, are people going to be able to see that uh, yeah, video? Yeah, definitely. So um, as soon as we have that edited and ready to go, I, I'll i be uploading it. Uh, I think last time I submitted to them, I think that you just put it on YouTube and tell them about it. And okay. so that's Send them the I'll link, do. basically. Yeah, yeah. And how many takes do you do on a video like that? I think we did three. Three takes? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, like that. Uh, Bob Boylan wrote a book. I have his book that I haven't finished reading yet, but mm. he wrote a book about, um, it's basically interviews. He went to uh, some of the interviews that he did on his show. Um, and uh, I can't think of the name of his show that he uh, does on N NPR. All Songs Considered? All Songs Considered. So it was uh, some, of, some of the interviews from that show, but he also like would, went to a couple of like, like to a coffee shop with these artists or their apartments and then just, interviewed him and then wrote a book about mm. all of them so um and uh i think it's called all songs considered is the name of the book cool um but it's really cool i mean it's different different uh artists um that are, are known well known but it just gives them a different perspective on like who they are as people ah. so um and as soon as i can 
get the actual title. I'll actually put it out there so people will know that I'm yeah. not just some bumbling idiot who doesn't remember the name of books that he reads. So. <laughs> if that's the so. criteria for bumbling idiot, then I'm one too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, bring up stuff you can't really remember. So that makes for great radio <laughs> conversation. Uh, uh, is there anybody out there that you want to record music with? Um. Yeah, I want to keep recording music with my band. I mean, I know that that sounds simple, but like they really are the best musicians I know, the most sort of heartful, soulful musicians that I know. And we have a whole suite of songs that are finished and ready to record, but it's so expensive and so difficult and time-consuming to make a record that Mm -hmm. we really depend upon the charity of people who are more established or who have... Uh, resources at their disposal to do that or I just have to wait until I save up money and so right. and I work nonprofit I'm happy to do it but it also means that it takes me a little bit longer to save up than it might if I if I took my talents to Miami or right. <laughs> is that just quoted LeBron, LeBron James, from like yeah. years ago <laughs> we were all waiting for it yeah. <laughs> it's always going to come up in some singer songwriter interview where they quote LeBron right, from yeah, years yeah. ago yeah. so cliche <laughs> But anyway, the point is, yeah, I'm saving up, and at some point we will make that record, and it's going to be great. <laughs> nice. Uh, what about for you as a solo artist? Um, do you have music like in the queue? I yeah, guess? definitely. Um, me and Adam, I, you mentioned Adam Levy before. We're going to make another record in a few months, um, and I think it's going to be a different tone. Uh, I think we're shooting for sort of a chamber pop uh, feel okay. this time, so acoustic with things like strings and horns i'm really excited to play around with that nice yeah what about so you told me a little before we got on the air about some of the other music that you listen to Mm -hmm. um so why don't you tell us let's get to know you a little bit more on that side when you're not listening to your own music or your band's music what what are you listening to i'm ready for you mike i I, I didn't (laughs) i didn't want to not be able to say uh let's see what am i into i uh i love jay som I think that uh, I can't. I think it's Melinda is the, the actual name of the singer songwriter who's in in charge of JSON, but she's a fantastic uh, uh, Melissa Duarte. That's her name. She's fantastic. Um, the new Caribou album is great. Young Ma is an incredible lyricist. The Fortet single is great. I like that Dixie Chicks song. Is it the new one that just came yeah, out? Yeah, like I haven't heard that yet. Yeah, good. I'm gonna have to listen to that. Benny sings is great. Uh, Andy Schaff is incredible. Do you know Andy Schaff? I don't know oh Andy Schaff. Oh my Schaff. God, that guy is incredible. I'll make a note of this Just right a now. phenomenal songwriter, great arranger. That uh, Christine and the Queens EP is really good. Those are the new things I'm into. But uh, so there are some other things that I really want to talk about. Like I, um, I recently found the Time for Tyner album after McCoy Tyner died. A friend of mine recommended it, and it's incredible. It's so good. Everybody talks about the real McCoy, but Time for Tyner is amazing. Um, and then there's this singer-songwriter that Damien Gerardo hit me to on the Aquarian Drunkard record uh, a website called Shira Small. And she is she made one record when like in the 70s. And it's she, her voice sounds a little bit like Carol King, but the uh, the songs are out there, not tr- not out there in a way to alienate an audience or anything right. like that. Uh, she's just willing to sing about really deep sort of spiritual ideas in a way that I don't find corny at all. And she's super direct. And I think that she represents a different, 
sort of strain. I, I oftentimes feel like there are eras where we want to distill particular voices. So like in the 1970s, I feel like the African-American songwriter was distilled down to a single voice. It was like, we are interested in the Philadelphia sound. We are interested in the Atlantic sound. That's what we want to hear from you. But Shira Small, I think, represents um, another another expression in that culture mm-hmm. that that is worth hearing. So, yeah. Awesome. You had that list ready to go. Yeah, That man. was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> people that didn't see it, he busted out the phone and had that. Uh, you were Don't ready for that. tell people question. I wouldn't think I just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's like it's very, very nice to see how organized you were for that question. Like, <laughs> I want I people to be know. ready for one question, and that's going to be the one. Yeah. <laughs> What's some of the best advice that you've gotten from uh, anybody in your life as far as uh, your improv life or your uh, music life? I mean, I could go deep on improv. I think I'll talk about music, though. Um, uh, There is a place, I talked about the Warming House before. Uh, The Warming House is an incredible venue, and I got some advice uh, that I have really prized uh, from Brianna Lane, who books a lot of the artists there and is a great singer-songwriter herself. I, for years, was really obsessed with being picked to click on city pages. I really wanted them to notice me. I wanted to be able to attract that college audience or whatever that would bring me to the Tame Impala level or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, that's just one way into making a life in music. If you stay true to your voice as, who, as an artist, and if you continue to share that with people, then over time, people who love what you love and love the sounds you make will connect to that and they'll take ownership of that and over time you will find your audience i do think there's an audience for for all of us if we take time to develop our voice and so that's what i'm invested in doing now i'm taking time to continue to develop that voice and to share it consistently with people and not be disheartened when i don't get a headline or when i don't right when it's not splashy you know what i mean yeah takes time yeah Yeah. and any, I mean, you get your name in print, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, to see that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so I just lost track of what I was going to ask you, but um, what do you have coming up? Where can mm-hmm. people see you play? So I have a show. Uh, I'm playing a solo show in May at Honey. Um, so I'll be playing that one with uh, Josh Kaplan on drums and Justin Hartke on bass. I'm excited about that configuration. That'll be really fun. Mm-hmm. Special guest to be announced. I'm looking forward to finding somebody to, to play with me on that one. Um, that's the next live show I have coming up, uh, but I'm looking forward to sharing a lot of video stuff and things like that in the coming weeks and months as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's what's coming up directly next. All right. So yeah. if we want to catch like the videos, is that going to go on your website or mm-hmm. is there a YouTube channel people can? Yeah, you know the website is probably the most consistent place to to find things. But if you want to be notified, then it always makes sense to subscribe. And so there's a YouTube channel that they can find through the website. Yeah, and I've, there's a couple videos on the website already. Oh, let me talk right. about that really quickly. So Joe Dressel, who is an amazing filmmaker and animator, who's based in LA but uh, but who's from Minnesota did an incredible set of favors for me in in directing the videos for both uh, Under the Same Ceiling and for Pearl. And they star, uh, the Under the Same Ceiling video stars Rita Borsma, who a lot of folks around here should know. She's an incredible comedian and improviser. Um, so check that out. Joe's work is phenomenal across the board, and I can't believe what he did for me with those two videos. Yeah, and there's a, 
like I said, there's your website is packed full of good information about you yeah. and about the music you're doing and where people can find uh, all your stuff. So we talked about the website, bandcamp.com. What streaming services can we find your music on? Spotify, Apple Music, apparently something called Deezer. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I got an email one day that said, your music is available on Deezer. And I was like, fantastic. Good for me. (laughs) Awesome. What is that? (laughs) Maybe I should go check that out. (laughs) Maybe I should. It's probably like the future of streaming. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. (laughs) Especially with the way how fast things change. Right. I mean, it could have been really cool and now it's lame already again. I mean, (laughs) who knows uh, how fast that stuff goes. Um, I want to talk about the Minneapolis uh, music scene. When I say Minneapolis, I obviously include St. Paul in that, so mm-hmm. don't worry, St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a St. Paul guy, so I get mm-hmm. it. Um, there are a lot of musicians here. Yeah. Um, and how do you, what do you do? I mean, is it, do you even try to stand out, or are you just put out your music and just let it fall where it may? Cause, yeah. And what I like is, there's comp. I mean, every there's competition in every industry, no matter mm-hmm. what you're in. But mm-hmm. it seems like everybody I talk to from the Minneapolis Twin Cities music scene, if you have a question or need to reach out, someone's going to be there to answer those questions for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm not sure uh, about standing out because I don't know what will stand out to to the listener. You right. Know? Uh, you know, ten different people could hear my music, and you know, seven of them may may walk right by, and three of them may be like, "Oh, that's my kind of thing." So, I the best thing I can think to do is to just share consistently, and then also to just try to be as uh, genuine as I can. I think it helps to be a kind person. I think it helps to return favors. I think it helps to uh, respond when people ask you for things, or you know, just be part of your community, be part of your network. (laughs) And then, and then hopefully uh, the part of you that you're hoping people will notice will get noticed. (laughs) Right. Do you have a favorite song on quiet as this? I think it's probably yearling. The the last one that we heard, that's a special song to me. Yeah. It's a bit, cause I feel like it's about my family, but it's also about lots of the families I get to work with through project success. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming in. Mike, thanks for having me. So this has been a lot of fun. Uh, James Rohn has been my guest on the 945 show uh, here on WFNU. And you can find his album on bandcamp.com. We just talked about the streaming services. JamesRohn.com, though, is probably the best place to go Mm -hmm. to find everything about James. Yeah. So uh, you've also got information on uh, School for Girls on there. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, like we said, your videos Mm -hmm. are up there as well. So uh, if people want to find out about uh, you, they can. So is there any last words you want to put out there as far as, you know, what people should expect from you coming up or anything about your music, anything we didn't cover? I don't think there's anything we didn't cover. Uh, Stay tuned, uh, and uh, I hope you listen to the record. If you listen to it, I hope you like it. All right. Well, thanks, James, once again for coming in. Thank you for listening to the 945 show on Frogtown Community Radio. Lots of great music and shows coming up the rest of the day and the rest of the week, so keep it locked here on 94.1 FM and WFNU.org. Have a great Wednesday. The weekend's almost here. You made it. Thank you for listening to the 945 Show. If you could, please leave us a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. 
If you'd like to support this podcast, please head over to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Mike Res Radio. Thank you very much.